the love of money is the root of all evil. But I think we've got to be careful not to legalize or, or take things in the Bible out of context. Stories stir the soul. Stories reveal. And stories heal. In this podcast, we will give you an inside look at someone who's had a life-changing breakthrough. Real people, real stories with real breakthroughs. As a health and wellness expert and coach and Todd as a men's mentor. We've seen firsthand what God can do when it comes to a breakthrough. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Wendy Pett. I'm Todd Isburner. And we're so excited about our show today. We really are. Yeah. You know, we've got the privilege of uh, bringing guests on who share stories of breakthroughs. And they're sharing stories of breakthroughs in all kinds of areas of life. Yeah, breakthroughs in their faith, their their health, relationships, addictions, handling loss, and even in their finances. Yeah, you know, it seems to me that finances are one of the harder areas of life to really have a breakthrough in. It, people really want they want to get free and they want the life that they've always dreamed of, but financially they're just stuck. That is why on today's show, we have Justin Donald with us today. We're so excited. He has firsthand experience in breaking free from the constraints of just making enough money to get by to becoming a lifestyle investor, living his dreams and helping others do the same. Yeah. So we had the privilege of uh, meeting Justin at a mastermind in his hometown, Austin, Texas, about a year ago. Uh, and I'm telling you, he, we got just this tiny taste of what he calls the 10 commandments of cash flow investing. And it blew us away. Yeah. Let's give us uh let's give a quick rundown of who Justin is. He is phenomenal. I'm you're gonna fall in love with him if you don't know him already. But Entrepreneur uh, magazine calls Justin Donald the Warren Buffett of lifestyle investing. And as the founder of the lifestyle investor and a master of low-risk cash flow investing. Justin's ethos is to create wealth without creating a job. I love that. Yeah. So after 21 months of investing and before his 37th birthday, Justin's investments generated sufficient passive income for him and his wife, Jennifer, to leave their jobs. And that was their original goal. And following his straightforward investment system and 10 commandments of lifestyle investing, Justin negotiated deals with over 200 companies, multiplied his net worth to over nine figures, and continues to maintain, and I love this, a family-centric lifestyle. That's right. And he didn't want to keep all his awesomeness to himself. Yeah. So he wrote a book about it. That's right. It was released in uh, January 2021. And it's a number one Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling book called The Lifestyle Investor. The Ten Commandments of Cash Flow Investing for Passive Income and Financial Freedom. Now, the book, get this, is now in the top 1% of all That's books crazy. ever sold. I mean, think about that, like wow. the Bible and then yeah. his, I mean, you know, 10 commandments There's, anyway, but, yeah. but this is something else you're going to hear in the interview. He, he shares this as well, but all the proceeds uh, are donated to the Tim Tebow foundation and the love justice international, which are two nonprofits that combat human sex or trafficking in over 30 countries. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just says a lot about Justin. Yeah. It, 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 it's the reason why he likes making money because they could give that much more away. That's right. And so through his uh, lifestyle investor mastermind, Justin is now consulting and coaching entrepreneurs, executives, and successful media personalities on lifestyle investing. And he also hosts the lifestyle investor podcast. You have to listen to that. He's got great guests on there. 
And his whole aim is just helping listeners consistently generate repeatable returns. You've got to love that. Enjoy the show. Well, Justin, we are so excited to have you on your biggest breakthrough. Thank you for being with us today. Well, I'm thrilled to be here and, and uh, you know, get a chance to hang out again. I know we got a chance to, to meet a while back and uh, really just briefly. So it's nice to actually connect some dots and get some time together. Likewise. Well, listen, we, we have spent a little time uh, in your book. We'll talk about that also on your website and listening to some of your podcasts. And like, we're getting almost an overdose of Justin these days, which is not bad. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that seems to surface, and this is what I we'd like to kind of start here, and that is you've got such a fascinating story and such great success in, in what you do and how you do it. But it seems like you are attributing a lot of that to your faith. And so we're just wanting to know, so what is your faith journey? When did that start? How did you come into that, that awareness of relationship with God? Well, I, you know, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because I, I hear all these people that have these unbelievable faith, you know, aha moments, like where they, you know, meet the Lord face to face. And my story is not that my story is a little bit more plain and simple, my parents raised me in the church. Uh, they're strong Christians and um, just have always been great role models, uh, especially in, you know, walking the talk. And I just, I grew up as a church kid. You know, I went to youth group. I went to Sunday school, then youth group, uh, did mission trips. So for me, there was never any like crazy event that all of a sudden I knew. I mean, since I can remember uh, I've just been, you know, following the faith that I know. And and by the way, I've had many um, intimate moments and I've had experiences that I think from a spiritual standpoint would probably blow people away. And uh, many would, would, you know, probably have a hard time wrapping their minds around it. Well, you know, maybe we those, can talk about those. <laughs> well, we certainly can. Yeah. I, and some of those were later on in life. But for me, I just, you know, I never, um, I never really questioned anything. It just was always real and always near and dear. But we absolutely love that. And honestly, I think your story and stories like yours, where you start out and you never leave the path, allows God to use you as a real model of how to go about things. And uh, so you've got a wonderful podcast. And we heard you interview David Green, founder of Hobby Lobby. And I tell you, it just blew us away because the two of you so successful as entrepreneurs, giving credit to God and making certain that the right things are in the right place at the right time. So truly admire that and respect you for that. So you obviously have, have just honed in on, on how to be a good steward of, of the finances that, that God has entrusted you with. And so what really motivated you to pursue investments and, and financial freedom? I mean, where did it all begin and why? Well, I think I've always just had a, a curiosity around it and an interest in it. So for as long as I can remember, and, and this is funny because I remember when I was packing up, this is about seven years ago, we were packing up to move and I was kind of figuring out what are we going to keep? What are we going to give away? And I stumbled upon all these old yearbooks from when I was in middle school and high school and I was reading some of the entries and it was really cool to see that I actually wrote in there that one that when I grow up, I'm going to be uh, at that time, I said business owner. I don't think entrepreneur that those words were really used, right? But I was going to be a business owner, and I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, but I always enjoyed math. Uh, it was just fun for me. 
it was effortless for me. Um, not, not always and not every subject, but uh, enough of it. And really since even in, I'm trying to think, even in high school, I took some uh, some classes and got involved in some organizations where we were doing a lot more work with numbers, with finances, turning it more into like dollars and cents than just straight math. And then in college, I took all kinds of classes. I thought at one point I might be an investment banker. And I'm glad I didn't pick that path because I know it's uh, a crazy amount of work to to really make it happen and and to get ahead. And and uh, I don't know if my values and and mission is in alignment with that anyway. But for me, I just knew early on that it was something that interested me and that I was also good at it, that I was being blessed with it, that I had an understanding that, you know, maybe transcended many or most people in my circle of influence that I just, um, I just connected some dots pretty easily. And even today, I just love it. I mean, I do, you know, when, when you ask yourself, what would you do? Like, if you're trying to figure out like what is the best career or vocation, it's what would you do for free? And what mm. would you do, you know, where you lose track of time, right? And and that would be it. Like, I love deals. I love finance. I love investing. I love like, you know, kind of learning about industries. So uh, it's just something that I think God's blessed me with an ability mm. to understand and, and, and recognize. Not, not that I haven't, gotten my own battle scars and made some mistakes. You know, it's it's not that I have uh, this perfect record or anything, but um, I've learned pretty quickly from those mistakes. Yeah, that's so good. And I believe that you've got a gift of of simplifying it for, you know, just putting things in layman's terms, right? So it helps uh, the average person pick up quick. And I think that that is a, is a gift. Love the fact that you recognize what you liked to do at an early age. Lots of people don't have that same experience. It's like they're in the 30s and 40s wondering, what should I do in life? But the fact that you acted on it uh, is encouragement for, especially for parents who recognize certain giftedness in their kids to really help them develop that, right? Because mm -hmm. you went along those areas of what you were interested in. So it didn't just instantly take, however, right? You didn't just instantly become this financial investor and author of this great book. By the way, I got to ask you this, the lifestyle investor that I'm holding the book up for those who are watching on YouTube, the 10 commandments of cash flow investing for passive income and financial freedom. So that didn't happen overnight. What was the journey between when you, you know, were, were sort of settling in on making life work financially to where you are headed and how you got here? Well, an interesting story, even leading up to that is, and it's funny, just talking here, it it triggered something. And I've never shared this on a podcast before, but wow, okay. um, my, uh, my mom really wanted me to get um, this assessment done to figure out, because I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in. So this was uh, when we were trying to figure out careers and, and I had so many different like directions and avenues and, and being in finance or being in business. It, it's not just like, you're in business. It's yeah. there's so many different paths. And so we did this aptitude test and this assessment to figure it out. And it said, oh, I should be, a, yeah. yeah. It said, oh. I should be a teacher. Oh, and I remember oh. being so let down. I was like, Oh <laughs> man, I don't want to be a teacher. Yeah. Like I know that I know that teachers financially aren't rewarded and compensated the way that they should. Um, and 
no, that's not me. And I, I remember fighting against that, that no, I'm, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to be in business. There's no way that that test is right. And it's really funny because today I would consider myself a teacher more than anything yeah, else. Absolutely. And yeah. I love it. And I, and it is, you know, I do think that that's a spiritual gift that I have been uh, uh, blessed and, and given. Teaching what you love. I think that's so cool. I mean, Todd was going to be a priest mm -hmm. back in the day before. Then I got married. Then and he got I married. Changed yeah. that. <laughs> well, but, that, that's, but he's still that a, a good priest move, in his own right yeah. with the way he ministers uh, throughout yeah. throughout yeah. his uh, days. But anyway. Yeah. So yeah. unquestionably, God can take what he's planted in us and it can develop in the way yeah. that he wants to develop it. Because when you look now at what God has done with your life and what you're teaching, and how that has rippled into so many other lives. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, I want to ask you a question that um, probably is very unfair of me to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyhow. <laughs> you can handle it. So you've got the 10 commandments of cash flow investing. And I'm just wondering, rather than go through all 10 commandments, and I really want people to get this book because it is really powerful and very practical, and you will learn the right way to go about things. But if you were to take all 10 commandments and just try to boil them down, maybe summarize them into one overarching principle, what would that be? Kind of like what Jesus did when he said, is there any way you could summarize those 10 commandments? <laughs> well, I guess he kind of put the most command, the, the most important ones at the beginning. Um, you know, so we, we could use that. And by the way, if you hold the book up uh, real quick for people to see, I, I just want people to see the logo. That logo um, the, the story, I haven't really shared this story much, but the way that that logo came about is uh, I had, uh, you know, hired, um, some people to just come up with a bunch of designs that we thought were cool. And this was at a time that I was reading the Chronicles of Narnia uh, yes. to my daughter. And, and so the, the logo actually got picked because I said, Hey, which one do you like best? And she picked that one. And, okay, and that's we had, awesome. We had sampled it with other people too, but uh, which, which was cool. But she, we gave her the the choice to kind of pick mm. it, and um, and the whole idea was that that reminded her of Aslan, mm. uh, which is really cool. It's a real, it's a that's kind of a cool. when I looked at it first, it's honestly the first thing that came to mind. Uh, it's a very artsy design, but it, it's powerful. Yeah. So good. But, well, with the let me get, yeah. Let me get back to your question. I don't want to yeah. skip it. And by the way, <laughs> the, your your previous question, I I, you know, kind of uh uh got us off schedule because I didn't fully answer that question either. But um if I had to summarize the Ten Commandments, I think I would probably group a few together in one sentence so that it could be the same, and that would be to find investments that align with your values and lifestyles in a way that supports it in the least risky way, providing the most upside. That, mm. That's how I would sum up the 10 commandments. Okay, cool. So good. That makes actually a lot of sense. And thank you for doing that. Cause you can, what you just said, you can break down into various components that will become very practical and how you go about applying that. Do you, want, do you want to just go back a little further again, take us along that journey? Because yeah, again, you I'd didn't just to. become the, the master of investments overnight. I'd love to, because I do think it's important to talk about, you know, how you kind of uh, hit each of the milestones along the way, because um, I don't want anyone to see me more as just some ordinary person that just um, kept pursuing the thing that I, I believed in and the thing that I uh, felt like I was supposed to do, you know, just having clarity and like what those next steps were. So um, you know, I think I've made 
probably more right decisions than wrong decisions, but I made a lot of wrong decisions along the way. Um, but the right decisions were kind of trusting intuition or trusting the promptings of the Holy Spirit, where you just know that that's what you're supposed to do. And mm. so I remember when I, um, you know, my, my wife was teaching full time. She was teaching high school students. Um, Two business, teachers in the family. Finance. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, and and then uh, I was working with a company uh, called Cutco at that time. And I was a, a division manager with them, uh, recruiting and, and training people. And I remember thinking, um, hey, we've got to pivot because we're we're really tied to our time. Like our, our dollars are um, basically, I mean, the way that I was earning is I was earning compensation based on my performance. So it wasn't necessarily, you know, tied directly in forms of salary or hourly um, so I was being compensated more than than maybe, you know, a lot of people in a lot of industries, but I still had time kind of hooked in. And it was like, if I if I stopped working, then at some point income would stop. And I and I just wanted a little bit better for for me. My wife and I were kind of on opposite schedules. So she was off in the summers, but my busiest season was the summers. And then she was off during winter break. And then my next busiest season was winter break. And then the times that I'm able to travel, she can't because mm. teachers have a hard time taking off. And so we really just wanted to get um, a schedule that matched where we could, you know, travel together and, you know, just live life more on our terms. And so uh, when I was trying to figure out what would that be, and I, I kind of distilled down that real estate was probably the way it was probably the least amount of work for the best return. And then it was what type of real estate. And I looked at all kinds of stuff and I had a friend that was investing in mobile home parks and I thought that was so crazy. And I even remember early on, he's like, I'm going to a mobile home park boot camp. Uh, I'm going to sell all my single family homes and I'm going all in on mobile home parks. <clears throat> wow. And uh, I was like, I thought the single family homes were like the thing. And he's like, no, they're way too much work. It, it's just, it's too much. So, um, so that kind of gave me a little indicator, like, okay, maybe I should do it. But I wasn't open yet. I mean, he he's like, "Do you want to come?" And I was like, "No, I, I don't want to come." I have. Did you, I have so no I'm just curious. Interest. Did you did you have that uh, that initial reaction? Because when people hear mobile home parks, unfortunately, they classify it in a way that judgment. I guess. Yeah. So yeah. was that part of your? I think. Deal? I think yes. I think I probably in my mind. Um, see, when I was in college, my professor uh, that. I mean, I guess I had several professors that owned a bunch of real estates. They owned apartment complexes and and some commercial buildings. And uh, I just remember thinking, like, that's probably what I would do. I would copy them. And when I moved to Chicago, right after college, I was looking at three flats and four flats, but they were so expensive. So that that's the type of housing I thought I was going to get into. So I don't, you know, part of it probably was, uh, you know, that, that, Maybe I thought more along the lines of Eight Mile or, you know, Mobile Home Manor or some of the the mobile home park representations that are taken out of context for television, yeah. you yeah, know, right. yeah. movies. Right, right. But part of it is it just it wasn't the archetype of what I had envisioned I would be in, you know, yeah. so it was kind of like, no. And then I saw the financials hmm. and I was like, OK, this actually makes a lot of sense. And and if I can buy one, then. I can replace my wife's income. And I didn't think it would happen with one park and one fail swoop, but that's what ended up happening. Our very first park 
replace my wife's income to a T, like oh. almost to the dollar on an after-tax wow. standpoint. That's and, amazing. Um, and so it that to me was just such a, a sign that I was supposed to do this. But but I also want to mention, I was nervous. I had never put this much money into an investment opportunity before. This was a seller finance deal. I had to put 15% down. You know, we're talking this this deal, I think was $65,000 as a down payment. So I've never done this. This is a lot. And I remember Risk. waking up in the middle of the night, like sweating and like worried and like, am I throwing my money away? Is this a, is this a horrible decision? And, and I also remember that I had a, so sometimes I had, I was kind of like worked up on one side of, of being psyched out. Like maybe you shouldn't do this, but on the other side, I had this calm and this peace that was, if other people can do it, so can you, and you know, these people, and there's a playbook. So just copy mm. the playbook. Mm. Right. And so I said, all right, I've got to let my, the logic in my mind trump the animosity in my heart, because that animosity wow. is probably just the fear of the unknown and the lack of experience in uh, the space. We got to pause so that for good. just a moment. That's so good. Because how many people are in that same space? Oh, the fear of the unknown or fear of possible failure or just not having that in their wheelhouse to even step forward in faith. Yeah. You know, yeah, go ahead. Just, just your, your first experience, I think, is a good example for people because- the door was open and the opportunity mm -hmm. came to you. And so you could have rushed right in, but instead you did your homework, you thought it through, you prayed it through, you worried at night, you did the whole deal <laughs> and you made a very calculated risk because there's always risk in every investment, mm -hmm. but yours was yeah. very calculated knowing what could be either side of the fence. And I think that's a very important lesson for those who are too afraid to take the first step that, yeah, it's probably going to be scary, but if you do your homework, at least you can, you know, take on the responsibility of saying, I did my homework, so I did the best I could. Yeah. And yeah, many and people, go ahead. I was just gonna say, typically, like, I like to say, hey, here's the worst case scenario. And here's the best case scenario. And and those like virtually never happen. So it's somewhere mm. in the middle that yeah. is the <laughs> That's reality. Good. That's yeah, good. Because people focus on the best case scenario. In usually. all areas of their life, not <laughs> yeah. just financial, right? In all yeah. areas. So many people do struggle with financial problems and they, they feel stuck, right? Um, and they want a breakthrough that leads to that financial freedom. But what do you define as financial, uh, as a financial breakthrough? What do you define as that? And how do you define what financial freedom is? Well, a financial breakthrough can be, I mean, as, as small as, hey, I just recognized I don't want my income to be tied to my time and hours spent. I mean, so so financial breakthroughs come in all different forms, all different fashions. You can have them regularly. You can have them. Uh, you, you can have one while you're listening to this episode. You can have one while you're driving in your car, you know, some aha moment that you had where you're like, hey, you know what? I don't have to in one fail swoop have financial freedom. Maybe the first move that I make is just, uh, covering my utility payments. And that's like the first step of financial freedom. So, so these ahas, these, you know, financial breakthroughs, they, they come in all different sizes. They come every day of the week, you know, and, and uh, I think we set, we should celebrate them as they come. 
financial freedom to me is, and that number is going to be different to a lot of people. I think a lot of people look at financial freedom as if I had X amount of dollars in the bank. If I had $10 million, then I'd be free or $20 million, then I'd be free. But the funny thing is that, that there's there's often not the utility in that that people think. And um, a lot of people that have that type of money lose that type of money if they're uneducated. Mm. What I like to focus on is what does it cost me to live? What's what's my absolute survival number? So this is this is not lifestyle. It's just what does it cost me to survive? And what is that on a monthly basis? And then how can I get my passive income to exceed those numbers so I don't have to work? I get reverse to reverse engineer it. Yeah. And yeah. over time, by the way, we can get to that lifestyle number. But just I, I remember the weight that was lifted off of my shoulders the moment we hit our minimum um, survival number. Mm. And it was this beautiful, like, it, it was this expression that that um, I was able to articulate and, and kind of like, visualize that I didn't have to go into work. Mm. Yeah. Now I get to I get yeah. to go I get to go more on my time schedule. Actually, I don't like going to this thing or doing this thing, I'm actually going to outsource that now to someone else. I don't have to do that anymore. I've got enough money to to cover the bills. And so that to me is financial freedom. And, yeah. and maybe the, the point that I would love for people to recognize, because sometimes when you see someone that has... Um, that, that is further along than you, it's almost like, well, that that's for them, not for mm -hmm, me. Mm -hmm. What I would like to say is that before I was ever a millionaire, I had financial freedom. And so you don't have to have this big net worth number. To Please. me, net worth is like, it's a trap. Mm. It's it's not, um, if you've got a lot of cash flow, net worth is a natural byproduct of it. But I'd rather have the cash flow because that gives me utility today. Uh, net worth does not. I've got a lot of people that that are in my community and people I know that have a big net worth, but it's tied up in the stock market. It's tied up in companies. It's tied up in different things where they don't have liquidity. They don't have returns coming off of it. Um, and so it it's it's a number that I think uh, a lot of people pursue, but thinking it's going to produce fruit that it doesn't. Mm. Well, let's talk about the, the, not just the financial freedom, but the freedom you've had as a family unit. I believe that, um, you know, so often finances are a stressful thing on a family. And when you can have this freedom, how has it impacted you guys as a family and with your faith and all of that? Yeah. You know, it, it's, th there's, I guess the, the old adage of, um, Basically, money money doesn't solve all your problems, but it certainly solves your financial ones. And I think that there's something to be said about the the like pressure or the stress or the anxiety that um, money can solve and can help cure to just kind of bring some consistency and some normalcy uh, into the family unit. So, and, and by the way, I would say that there are pros and cons though to, to figuring this game out because mm -hmm. if you're not careful, then you're, I mean, you have to be really intentional. If you read the studies and pay attention from the standpoint of educating kids and what they grow up with, um, the studies really point to the kids that uh, have the most problems typically, especially around money, but just, you know, figuring out life 
uh, happen on the the extreme poverty end and on the extreme affluence end. And, and the kids that um, are kind of in the middle uh, just have a better experience overall from a parenting, from a, you know, you know, just normalcy standpoint. And, and there are a number of books that have highlighted this. So I share this because I think it's important that as you grow your, your wealth and as you become more financially secure, that we're doing a good job of teaching our children and not enabling them into yes. bad behaviors. But so, so that's like the, the, the thing that I try to remain really cognizant of. That's the negative side of, of affluence and wealth. But I also think if you learn how to teach it well, it can be a powerful tool. Mm -hmm. I see money as a tool and that tool can be used for good, for evil. But um, if we can teach it well, then it's amazing the things that can happen, like what the Green family has done and, and what David Green's kids and, and grandkids are doing. Um, they really have a mindset of stewardship, not ownership. And it's a powerful thing. It's, That's so, it's good. so cool. So we'll, we'll expect your children's book on yes. uh, the lifestyle investor to come out soon. Well, that, that is something that many people have talked to me about. Oh, I might have there you go. Notes scribbled wow. around it, but nothing, uh, well, there's, probably there's another, a uh, little yeah. watering of that seed. Yeah. So we're yeah. going to just pro prophetically speak it over you. It's going to happen. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I love Justin, it. You, you know, I think everybody would love to have passive income from cash flow investments. Every, I mean, who wouldn't want that? So I'm sleeping at night and money's being made. Right. But so few people understand the whole concept. And much of it, I think, has to do with mindset. You talk mm -hmm. a lot about mindset. So would you just talk to that person right now who really doesn't know a whole lot about investing? They're afraid of it, but they really, really want what you're talking about, this cash flow investing. But how in the world do they get to that point when they just sort of feel like, you know, that's for Justin, that's for those guys. I don't know anything about that. I don't know how to get there. So I I'm too afraid to even figure it out. Can you help them? Yeah, it's a great question. And I remember the time where I felt the same way. So I've been in those shoes before and I've had doubt and I've had uncertainty and I've had, I'd look around and I'd say, there's no one around me that's doing the thing that I want to do. I mean, yeah. who can I learn from? And so I remember I turned to books and I became an avid reader at a young age and I learned, thank goodness, I learned to read books that I liked on topics that interested me uh, and not just what everyone else was reading. And so, you know, I really got into a lot of the Robert Kiyosaki books. I got into all kinds of books. And so this was before the day of the day and age of, of podcasts and, and, you know, now you've got books and podcasts. And then eventually I just recognized that um, it may be helpful to have real life living people, you know, in my proximity. And so I just became very intentional to find people that were business owners, investors, um, people that were playing the game of business and life and wealth building at a higher level than me so that I could up level so that the, the things that they would say that were normal to them, that were like, you know, aha moments to me eventually became part of my regular routine, but I had to be exposed to it first. And it came from intentionality. It came from really paying attention to my peer group and really paying attention to the, to the education that I fed myself with. And, and beyond, you know, college, I think most people just stop 
learning and stop educating themselves. And, and I did not, I mm. kept reading. I read a lot of books every year. And that has really been my story since probably third or fourth grade. Mm. So if you want to become proficient in investing, you want to achieve this goal of cash flow investing, passive income, you can't just sit there and expect it's just going to happen all by itself. <laughs> You've got to actually put in some work yeah. in making that happen, but it isn't as difficult as most people think. And I, that's why I want to chase you guys over to Justin's website and his book, because you keep it so simple. You provide a lot of resources and your podcast yeah. is incredible too. You can learn a lot listening to it. Lifestyleinvestor.com. Lifestyleinvestor.com. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you, don't just sit and wring your hands and think like, oh, it's never going to happen to me. Put in a little bit of effort and you'd be amazed at what can happen. But I, I do want to talk about those people um, that do have the victim mindset. Yeah. Those that worry that if they achieve financial wealth, that they'll feel guilty about it, or they'll worry that um, it will negatively even affect their relationship with the Lord. So how would you help them work through that? Especially, well, I mean, when it comes to the church, let's I, like, I, I have a heart for the church. Like, let's get them to see the abundance that God really wants for them. Yeah. I think we've got to be careful not to legalize or, or take things in the Bible out of context. And the scripture that I think a lot of people reference is the, the love of money is the root of all evil, but you don't have to love money. And if you can keep the hierarchy correct, where you, you know, really have God up top and then money can be below, hopefully it's God, family, you know, health, um, relationships, you know, maybe it's money and then other stuff. I mean, I, I really think it's, you know, what's your heart coveting. And, and so I think money is a tool. And I think that, um, for me, I have seen the more I make, the more good I can do. Now huh. there's a certain amount that creates stability and comfort around the family. Um, there's a certain amount that, I mean, you gotta be careful that you're not, uh, living life too excessively or, or, you know, that you're becoming too much of a consumer, but more money allows you to do great things and, and have impact and have influence, you know, for like, you know, for example, the, the book that, um, the lifestyle investor book itself, I said from day one, like I never was writing this to make money. And so all the proceeds of this book, are all going to be donated to charity. And now I didn't know how big the book was going to become. You're like, wait uh, a I minute. Just, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought yeah. just, you know, and, and by the way, I hoped that it would do well, but yeah. I wanted it to be a, a, you know, a resource that um, could do great things in the world because we didn't need the money at that point. Um, and then it became a, you know, number one Wall Street Journal bestseller. And now as of 2023, it's a top 1% of all that's, books ever sold. That's amazing but all the proceeds have gone to fight human trafficking. So oh, we've literally huge. donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to huge. these efforts and to these organizations like Love Justice International and the Tim Tebow Foundation to, to help with these uh, efforts of, of, you know, buying real life human freedom back. Praise and, God. And so I just think that to, to be stuck in a limited perspective or a limiting mindset that, that, money is bad or you can't do great things with money. It's, um, you know, I don't think that's our place. And I think that we should work hard to put ourselves in a place that we can, our family can prosper and we can help others around us prosper yeah. as well. Yeah. That's so Amen. good. That's so good, Justin. Uh, Wendy and I, a couple of years ago, just boiled it all down to this 
simple little phrase, make more so we can give more. Right. <laughs> you that. guys are great examples of that. And so for the person who's just like nervous that, well, if I have all this wealth, what's going to happen to me? Well, if you're committed to honoring God and helping others, you'll have that question answered pretty quickly and pretty easily. But I do want to ask you, Justin, because there are some folks who are listening who they want to make sure, well, if I, like, if I start following through, like on the 10 commandments of investing, are these going to line up with the biblical principles that I know are there in the Bible that I want to govern my life? So do they line up? Well, what I would say is my goal was to not have anything that would contradict or negate the Bible. Um, I think the one thing that the Bible speaks a lot about is um, debt and in a way that I would say there are, are sometimes different ways to interpret that. So sometimes I don't know if, I mean, we're not designed to, to know or, or understand all the things that are there. Um, I think that there's probably a difference between good debt and bad debt. And so the only place where I feel like someone could say, well, you know, is that what the Bible says is just around their, their interpretation of, of debt, you know? So I have, you know, I choose to use debt very wisely and in a way that is very supportive and, yeah. and in a way that, um, you know, I'm able to protect against it, but some people don't believe in that. And I think that's okay. And there's still plenty of ways that you can use all 10 of the commandments that in a way that, that, you know, honor God that are, are, you know, biblically sound. So I don't think there's anything that does, but I just would wanted to point that out because of the, the different ways or the different perceptions people have on debt. Now, none of my commandments actually speak to using debt, but I have used them in some of my yeah. uh, examples. And, and I like to be as open and transparent with all the details as I can. Sure. I That's really good. appreciate that. Yeah. Well, as a strong Christian, um, I'm just curious. I mean, I'm sure obviously you pray about it first, but how does your faith come into play when making major decisions about investments? I know that we had something come our way and I couldn't sleep at night. Like I thought yeah. this does not line up and I'm like, it's a no go. And he's like, really? But look at the cha-ching on the other, other side. And I go, I know, but we're not doing it. And it turned out that I'm so grateful that I listened to what God uh, had in store there. But how do you go about it uh, over and beyond prayer? Well, thank goodness for discerning wives, because my wife it really kind of shows up the same way and has <laughs> concerns and will, you know, shoot awake in, in the middle of the night with, you know, uh, an idea, a voice, a, you know, just a recognition of something. Um, you know, it's it's funny because my worst investment I ever did, um, I, I muscled through that one on my own. And there were so many warning signs. Really? And I mean, these are with trusted people. I mean, even my attorney saying, Justin, this, I don't think you should do this. I mean, I had all the signs there. I knew what I wanted to hear and what I wanted to do. And I got sold by a sexy return. You know, I started cash yeah. and paychecks before they happened. And, uh, and I really kind of avoided and, and didn't, I wasn't thoroughly, uh, prayerful in my pursuit of that. And, and that's what happened. Now, that doesn't mean that every deal I pray about, I get right, or, you know, I don't pray about I get wrong. Uh, sometimes I don't, I don't have clear 
answers. I don't have clear. It's just kind um, of a leap of faith. Yeah. So it's a leap of faith or it's a prayer that's, you know, Hey God, if you, if you want me to do this, keep the door open. If you don't close it, mm, like, you know, give me some, give me something. So I know. And so maybe I didn't get a yes, but I didn't get a door that closed. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's a relief to hear that you are actually human. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I want to hear God right. a lot more than I do. I'll, I'll be <laughs> very open and honest about that. No, but it's really freeing for all of us because yeah. every deal put this much in right. and do this at this time, if only. <laughs> Seriously, if only. I, we all go through that. We really do. So thank you for freeing us up. Yes. Some we're going to get right, some we're not going to get right, but eventually it's all going to work out if our heart is right. And again, if we can get back to, you know, understanding that God does want to bless us financially, not so that we can just selfishly consume, as you pointed out earlier, but so they can help others. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, talk about a beautiful opportunity and a great yeah. result. So, well, And I would also say for me, like, I just have peace of mind around all things financial. It's not mine. I'm a steward of yeah, it. Oh, I've good. been blessed with it. I could lose it any time. I mean, I'm fully aware that tomorrow I could wake up and there, it could be the craziest thing that happened and it's all mm -hmm. gone. And I'm at peace with that. I'm very comfortable with that. I don't want it to happen, but I'm, but I believe Trust that the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I don't have the same anxiety or hangups mm -hmm. around money that maybe I had earlier in my career, or maybe that other people experience. Yeah. Um, I just have a lot of, um, I just have a lot of comfort and I, I just have let go of that, that part. Mm, wow. Beautiful, beautiful. Very inspiring. Well, we are so honored to have you on your biggest breakthrough. Thank you for spending your uh, invaluable time with us and your invaluable information with us. I know you're going to encourage uh, the listeners to, to make a, uh, you know, that next step with hopefully that financial freedom. But before we go, I'm going to ask you just a final question. And you've probably been asked this before, because it's one of those questions, but um, just to make it on the fun side, what is maybe something that people do not know about Justin that we ought to know, like some crazy hobby you have, or what, what, what do you give us some good. quirk, something about give us something you juicy, that it's not Justin. in the book. <laughs> All right. Well, this one's going to be a really, really weird one. Uh, so I don't know. People might think I'm just <laughs> off now and, and maybe they don't want to read the book, but um, I I'm actually pretty flexible. I've been very flexible since I was a kid and I can put my legs behind my head. I no. have that much flexibility. You're like a contortionist. It's, it, no. it's crazy. Now, not all parts of my body are as flexible. I can't, you know, I, I can't do things I used to do when I was a kid with like walkovers or, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I, my, my legs flex in a, in a crazy way. And, uh, and how old is, are you, Justin? I'm 43. That Amazing. should be. You shouldn't be able to do that. Actually, you should. I, I think that's pretty impressive. And I think if you put that on YouTube, uh, it's going to yeah. go viral. Oh, just, just it may. I don't know if I want that to go viral, but yeah. <laughs> Invest and you'll be able to do this. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> oh, right. Oh, that's so good. Well, we appreciate you, Justin. God bless you and all that you're doing. And thank you for spending uh, this time with us. Thanks for having me. This is a wonderful show and you guys are both great hosts and, and, you know, you come prepared with amazing questions and, um, it, it was fun being able to share some things that I haven't ever shared on any other show. So thank cool. you. Cool. cool. Thanks so much. God Thanks, bless. Justin. Blessings. Well, we hmm. sure hope you enjoyed this interview. I mean, Justin's the real deal. 
You got to love a guy who's got his head on straight when it comes to money, right? Because I think some of us take a look around and we see financially successful people and we don't like them because (laughs) because well, that's something we're either jealous or, you know, they're not very nice or they're not doing the right things with their money. And Justin is, is, and his family, they are choosing well with how they're uh, being good stewards of God's money. Yeah. I want to Mm -hmm. encourage you again, just get to the website, lifestyleinvestor.com. Um. <laughs> and then also pick up the book, the ten, uh, the lifestyle investor. Uh, it's so practical. And if you've been thinking to yourself, yeah, I really ought to take this more seriously. I got to get better. Now's the time about my investments. And if if you like what you heard, and if you like what I like, I think you're going to get serious on it. And that is cash flow investing that produces passive income. Game changer. So while you're sleeping, you're making money. Then you can go do the things that you want to do, that you get to do, not that you have to do. That's right. And we can make more to give more. So yeah. thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Your Biggest Breakthrough. We always love spending this time with you. Yeah. Again, go to uh, lifestyleinvestor.com. Get your book. Again, it is it is a tithe yeah. as well. Not only will you be learning, you're going to be tithing yeah. because that that book is, is doing great things with all those proceeds. Yeah. Um, so definitely do that and uh, share this podcast Please episode with episode. others. It will yeah. empower uh, yeah. others to take their uh, their you know their finances seriously yeah. and to take some calculated risk to get some uh, really good reward in yeah. the end. So, so yeah, what? No, I was going to say. Uh, all right, you you because you also are available to help people in various areas of not their finances. Life. Although, although them. it does help your finances. Yeah. So yes, I definitely help women uh, mainly with their health and their well being and mind, body, spirit, and, and emotions. If you are looking uh, to get healthy and well in a natural, holistic way, then go to wendypet.com and uh, I can assist you through that process through my seven week accelerator course. And I'm telling you the uh, just the before and afters, the then and nows, as I call them, mm-hmm. are just incredible transformations. And that can be you too. Yeah. And I love helping men uh, learn to master their faith, their family, their fitness, and their finances. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we're going through my course. You like uh, to help men be men. I really do, man. Yeah. That's We call them mavericks. We've got a mavericks. maverick makers group. It's on Facebook. You can find out more. Just go to toddisburner.com and just get all the information there. Would love to have you join with us and uh, become the godly men that God has designed us to be. So thanks so much again for tuning into this episode. Share it with all your peeps, and we'll catch you next time. Be blessed. Head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment, and we would love to dialogue with you there. So thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.